I remember just thinking, um, I don't want to live anymore. When I was like, you know, 17, 18 is when I first started drinking. I remember I told my mom and dad for the last time, like, hey, I need help. And I actually mean it this time. That's for those of you listening, whether you're a resident in the program, whether you're a family member, a current or a future supporter. But life today is good. When I was seeing it work in other people as well as myself, something just changed. I've got a little over five years of sobriety. This is the Hope Dealers Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Hope Dealers Podcast. We are so excited to be here today. I am your host, Sean Fitzpatrick, and I'm joined here by a very special guest, a good friend of mine, Mr. Blake Brennan. How are you? I'm fantastic. And you're with a new haircut, or a new hair color, rather. It's a hair color, yeah. yeah. It's a and thing. This is a new addition to the yeah. to the arsenal. Yeah. I don't you never know how long you're gonna have your hair. Yeah. And you know, let's have fun. Yeah, fair let's enough. Let's have some fun. I like it. Yeah, so for those of you who can't see um or listening on Spotify and Apple, uh Blaze rocking some gray hair right now. I guess it was supposed to be bleached. It is bleached. Came it's out. white. It's very white. It, it depends. Let's just say it lacks pigment. <laughs> oh, Blake. Well, you've been on the podcast before when we did a panel. Yes. Uh, yeah. With the other PMs. And um, that was a lot of fun. But we've been wanting to get you on here for a while. Just you to have, you know, share your story with the listeners and viewers. And you've got quite a story. Um, you and I have a little bit of history. We've lived together in the Hope is Alive homes a while mm-hmm. back. I was Blake's house manager. And that was that was a couple of years ago, though. Uh, yeah, almost two. Yeah. About a year and a half. Something almost like that. Two. Um, and, you know, you were on a pretty good roll there for a little bit. And uh, it wasn't time, though. Well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't God's time right. slash I, I wasn't ready to surrender. Right. Right. Well, before we get to all of that, um, why don't you just take our viewers and listeners back a little bit? You know, when did you first start getting involved with substance abuse? Uh, 15. 15. 15. And I, of course, would never would have admitted that I was an alcoholic. I mean, I didn't for almost 15 years, but yeah, I mean, I, I drank like an alcoholic immediately, right? Immediately. No stopping. No, there was no stopping until I passed out. Yeah. It's an important distinction, isn't it? Because a lot of people don't want to admit that they're an alcoholic or an addict or anything, but you know, and, and even for us who are in recovery, it takes us sometimes years <laughs> to admit that this was how it was the entire time. You know, we can say, oh, well, I had it under control for X amount of years. And then it was at this point that it really spun out. But if we look back, a lot of the time it's like, no, we were always going at it like alcoholics. There was really never any control when it came to, uh, especially my drinking. Um, There was the illusion of control because for a while I was able to maintain a job. That I've said this before, that can be such a dangerous thing. I was the same way. And we were both bartenders. Right. We were both bartenders. Um, But we were the big thing there is we were both employed. Yeah. Um, And that, you know, when it comes to, you know, your friends and loved ones, while they might think something's a little off, well, well, he's got a job. Yeah. He's fine. He's paying his own way. He's got a job and an apartment. He must be okay. Right. Because, again, you know, 
when we think of, you know, before we got into all this, you know, it's like we hear the word alcoholic, we hear the word drug addict, and we think it's that guy under the bridge. Well, and for many years, uh, you know, my mom was like, hey, you, you might have a drinking problem. And I didn't think I had a drinking problem because I didn't wake up and drink. See, there's the other one. <laughs> like I thought because I did not have to wake up and go to the fridge and crack a beer or take a shot. I thought that that meant I was not an alcoholic. Right. But, you know, as we've come to find out so many times, that doesn't mean that you're not an alcoholic. Correct. Um, Correct. And I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, it's like, all right, well, why are you drinking? Why are you drugging? Um, yes. You know, it was never, I'm guessing with you, it was never just a couple drinks after work with no, some friends. There's, no. You know, there no, was I never mean, just it, one. No, there was never just one. And because of the environment I worked in, I'm sure you know, like I, it started at work. Yeah. I mean, once I had been at work for a few hours, I had alcohol in my system. Yeah. And drinking is such a socially acceptable thing. Well, it's cult culturally, yes. Yeah. I mean, I was around a culture of everybody else was drinking. Mm -hmm. I was really involved in the music scene, in the art scene. So it was just, it was normal. It's what we, it's what we did to get the creative juices flowing. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, and I can relate to that so much, you know, and we've talked about this in private, but yeah, I mean, I was involved in the music scene from a very young age and the artsy friends and all that and doing drugs and drinking just kind of came along with that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was literally the norm. Yeah, but at what point, you know, take me through high school a little bit, what's that like? So, uh, like I said, I was 15. I didn't, it was the end of my sophomore year when I started drinking and I actually moved from here in Oklahoma up to Kansas to live with my aunt and uncle. Mm -hmm. They were youth pastors at the time, still pastors to this day. Um, and I think the idea was get me out you know, change my location yeah, and you know, maybe he'll correct his path. Well, that, I mean, if you're an alcoholic or drug addict, that does not always work. No, because you're still there when you get there. Correct. <laughs> there, no work had been done other yeah. than put me in a different environment. Uh -huh. And my aunt and uncle did, uh, they did an amazing job, uh, helping me finish high school those last two years. Um, but I still found a way, Right. you know, I, I still found people that would buy me alcohol. Um, and what was it at this time, you know, I ask everyone this, you know, what was it aside from, I know the music and the art scene, but like you're away with, you're with your aunt and uncle. Why do you feel the need to keep on drinking? Just because, like, because I needed to change the way I felt. Okay. Because I was, I was not okay with who I was. Right. It, it, I just was not okay with who I was. And I ask that it's an important distinction just, you know, and I want everyone, all of our listeners, and especially if you're a resident in the Hope is Alive program or you're just in recovery in general, like you're not alone in that feeling. That's why all of us get into this. Yeah. Because we just are not okay with where we're at, who we are, how we're feeling. Yeah. And, sim you know, quite simply put, we just need a head change. Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, finishing up high school, uh, I drink about as much as any high schooler that lived with pastors could drink. You know, uh, I drink on the weekends, um, but it was like a race to see how fast I could get drunk. You know, yeah. I mean, I was, it was many nights, um, just barely making it home by curfew. 
um, or making it home just right at that line where maybe my aunt and uncle would be asleep and sneak downstairs. And um, so, yeah, I drank and and smoked weed through the the last two years. Um, Got arrested my senior year for pot. Um, I remember my, my uncle saying, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. He <laughs> said, okay, well, you're grounded till you graduate. Um, but the way my credits fell, I had enough credits to graduate at the semester. Oh, wow. So the next day I went into my counselor's office and I said, hey, can I graduate at semester? And they were like, yeah, sure. Um, so I just like an alcohol or drug addict, just trying to find any way to yeah. beat the system. He said you're grounded, so you graduate, and you're like, well, this uh, this ain't going to work. Can't um, let this happen. Yeah. Um, so but I you graduated I, early. Yeah, I graduated early. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, then the drinking got really bad. Yeah. I mean, because I was... 17, just working and uh, just drinking, 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 drinking. I didn't smoke as much yet. Um, and I didn't do the hard drugs yet because I did grow up in that era of if you just take one, you're going to die. You know, that takes us up to, um, I think, about 18. Um, I was at a party and somebody gave me my first hit of ecstasy. And that literally changed my life, mm-hmm. like changed my life. Why um, would you say it changed your life? Because it was just the first time you had something stronger. Yes. Something that you liked. Something that I like was like, whoa. Yeah. I, I, and this thought was insane, like literally insane. But I remember taking it and like being peak high on ecstasy and saying at that party, I want to feel like this the rest of my life. Mm. And I remember, uh, I distinctly remember a guy saying, well, you can't. He's like, you cannot take ecstasy every day. You cannot feel this way all the time yeah. or you're going to fry your brain. Right. Well, joke's on him. Because you started taking ecstasy every day. All the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. Is there any point during all of this, you know, that... You graduated high school early, drinking all the time, smoking weed. Now you've stumbled onto ecstasy. You love that. Is there any plan in your head of what you're going to do with your life? Or are you just living in the present? I'm very much living in the present. Um, I It's starting to realize, though, that like I'm, I'm blowing opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a full ride to Wichita State mm-hmm. University on, on academics and... I said, uh, in my head, it was like, I don't want to do that because I'm going to have to work. Right. And not at a job. Like, I'm going to have to work at school. And I didn't want to. I wanted to party. Yeah. Um, I wanted to keep working my job and, and partying. Was there a fear that you were going to mess it up somehow if you did go? I I, so I knew I would have messed it up. Okay. So I just didn't even go. Yeah, I went to the community college first semester. Um, and I finished that semester, but I didn't go back. Yeah. Um, not for a while. Right. Um, cause I wanted to party. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do was party. And sometimes it's as simple as that. Um, we just want to party. Just want to feel good. Yep. Just want this. My, that was, it was my identity. Right. And that's important too, because I think for a lot of us who get, you know, started at such a young age and then after high school, we're not really sure what we're going to do. We know there's opportunities, but we're not really taking advantage of them. Um, and we let this party persona become, it kind of takes us over. And not only do we accept that it's who we are, but we embrace it. Yes. 
Yes, very much so. And who would I be without this? I had, yeah, who would I be without that? You know? I, I would, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. Um, at the time. Um, and then, yeah, so after trying ecstasy, I think maybe a few months go by, I uh, got in cocaine very quickly. And I'm, I mean, through and through, I'm a drug addict. So, I, I mean, I, I was, the coke problem was just like the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just instant and it was bad, like yeah. right off the bat. Well, you know, and it sounds like I, I've said this to a lot of people and I've even said it on here a couple of times, you know, that in my story that alcohol may have done me in, but I just like substance. It's whatever was readily available for me. And it sounds like that's much of the same for you. You're just a, you just like it all. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Substance. Yeah. Anything that's going to give you that head change that yeah. we talked about earlier. Whatever I've got the money for in my pocket, I'm going to go after. Uh, I mean, then, you know, I, I work for maybe another year, year and a half, cost me my car. Um, of course, cost me a couple jobs. Um, so things are breaking down. They are breaking down. Um, At any point, is there, I have a problem? Or no, is, is it just, no, I just no, got to run no. bad luck here? Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, maybe I should drink a little less. Maybe I should not um, spend my credit card on, on cocaine. I should not go get mm-hmm. cash advances on Coke and things like that. But, um, no, I didn't have a problem yet because everybody else around me was doing it. So, it so made, why do I have to be the one that has a problem? Yeah, I don't have a problem. And what is it that leads you to hope is alive? So, I mean, hope is alive in a real, the real short version um, start selling cocaine around the age of 27, 28. Um, did that for a little while and then uh, got into methamphetamine uh, for a few years. And then I tried to get sober on my own. I could not do it. Yeah. I thought I was smart enough. I thought I was strong enough. It's hard. Uh, I, yeah, I had never even attempted sobriety. But, you know, I'm 30 now and I realize, oh, I don't have a a wife or a house or children or or any of these things. None of that's even like no no prospects for that even. No, 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 not at all. And like after wasting 10 years seeing, well, I'm not going to get those in three months. Like it's going to take years to like achieve those things if those are my goals. Yeah. Um, So um, in 2020, May of 2020, I called my mom and I said, mom. I want to get sober. Like this was the first initial like test my toe in the water and lived with my mom for a few months. Um, I did the marijuana maintenance thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then, uh, that October of 2020, I, I drank for the first time in, in, in a few months. And, um, I like just had a really bad, really bad episode. Wound yeah. up in the hospital, had to have a, a heart operation, nothing major, but just a little heart procedure. And when I woke up, that was the moment I, you know, waking up in the hospital alone and just like after that previous night, like I surrendered. Yeah. That was my first attempt at surrendering at least to whatever God had planned for me. And I, I, can remember saying and just this prayer of God, whatever I have to do, like I'm done. Like I am done. I love that man. Cause I mean, the same thing happened with myself and 
you get to this point of, like you said, surrender, where it's not that usual flyby prayer of, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never X, Y, Z. It's like, no, I'm just done. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like. I have no idea how I'm going to do it, but I'm just, take it, please. I'm done. Yeah. This was like, I, what you had previously talked about, like, oh, uh, like, give me this, I'll do that Mm -hmm. type deal. That had happened plenty of times in the past. But yeah, it was the official, like, I had given up. Yeah. Like, and I was cool with it. Yeah. Like, I was, this was the official, like, on the inside. I gave up. So I go to, I went to rehab. Yeah. You know, um, and at rehab, I heard about Hope is Alive. And this is at which point, like, my family finally was starting to, like, really protect themselves in a way. And they wanted my success. As in, we love you. We will support you emotionally. We will support you as your family, but you can't come home. Mm. You gotta. You you can't just stay on the couch, like because that's what I was doing, staying on the couch. Just I was reading the books. I was doing the exercise, but not actually working a program or yeah. anything. So yeah, I go to rehab. Hear about Hope is Alive. I come to Hope is Alive in uh, that would have been December or the end of November, twenty twenty. I remember. Yeah, it was right before Thanksgiving. Um, and, you know, I will say about your first go around to Hope is Alive, um, from the outside looking in, there was a lot of positives. There was, you were, you seemed happy to be here. You definitely saw what the program could do. Um, there was a lot of potential there. I remember very early on, a few of us even trying to recruit you to come work here. Um but there was just those little picadillos still hanging around. So talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, to- I, totally. This is kind of my favorite part. This is, um, <laughs> this is why I have success today. Yeah. It's because of those mistakes I made the first time. Um, you know, I'm just in the big book, it says, are you willing to go to any extremes to get sober? And I thought I was the first time, but I was not willing to give up a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being uh, the idea that maybe one day I might be able to smoke marijuana again. Ah. I thought, I thought I was cool with admitting I have a drinking problem. I have a, a methamphetamine, a ex, like a, a drug problem. Hard drugs. But, yeah. but marijuana, that's a plant. I'll, you know, I'll graduate this program and maybe I'll smoke again someday. Well, yeah, no, I can't do that. Um, and then the big thing, to be honest, it was the women. Sure. It was like, you know, they suggest do not date your first year. And I wasn't, you know, I was how I was 32 and it was like, oh, I'm, I'm running out of time. And it's funny. I remember because you and I are the same age and I remember us having so many conversations about that on the patio and you saying exactly that was I'm 32, man. Wait, I, I, come on, I got to get this rolling at some point. Yeah. And I remember sitting there smiling and saying like, "Yes, yeah, so am I." <laughs> I do. Re- I like now that you say that, I do remember that, and it's such a delusional thought. Like now that I'm back, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, I mean, I just wasn't ready to do everything. I wasn't you were ready to do enough on your terms. Correct. I wanted to remain in control. And I think I forget who it was. Um, 
one of our program managers, I think it was Luke and I were talking about this the other day. It's like a lot of guys come in and they're willing enough, just willing enough to not be homeless. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's enough and that'll boost you to the next part. But sometimes that mentality stays, you know, you knew you needed a place to stay. Yeah. You knew that you could not go back home. Yeah. But there's a part of your story that I remember personally that, you know, is why I'm so proud of you today that I remember so many times you and I taking a drive and, you know, we would talk about, you know, if you were going through a hard time and you weren't really loving everything. And I remember you saying, well, I've got to at least graduate. I got to give my mom that. Like, I can't imagine, you know, I did this for her. And I remember telling you so many times I said, well, that's, but you can't do it for somebody else. This is yeah. never, do you remember that? I, I, that <laughs> I really distinctly remember because it was like, yeah, I wanted to be here. I, I, I thought I wanted to be sober. Um, and I had just put my mom through, I put my whole family through so much. Yeah. Um, but like my mom really came to my rescue in 2020. And so I just, I wanted, I thought, Hey, I've got to finish this for her. But yeah, that's not enough. Right. Like, it's just not. It'll never be enough. No, no. And then there was, you know, the fateful day that I came home and I said, uh, I, need, I needed to drug test you. Mm. And you looked at me and you said, no, I'm, uh, I'm going to fail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I say this and I want the listeners to hear because, the, you know, while this might sound like a sad part in Blake's story or if you're somebody in recovery out there who's struggled with relapse like we all have. If this is you in this moment, this can be the turning point in your story because this is the turning point. It can be. It can be. Yeah. I'm not saying that everything got well overnight. It definitely no, did. No, no, no. I'm didn't. saying that this is the part of the story that. Yeah. So uh, I, I had to go learn my lesson one last time. Yeah really is what it was. Like I had to go learn my lesson. Um, so yeah, I, I remember after three days, Grant, him saying, well, you got to go back to rehab and you know, me being the drug addict that I am, I was like, yeah, um, I need to like go do some more drugs first. Like in my head, I did not tell Grant that. Um, so I went back out for five months. Um, five it, long months. It was five long months. Um, and I can remember in August, like missing the sobriety sprint and seeing that. And that was just, I was like, I know I'm making a mistake. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I have a gambling problem. October, sadly, I, I, I went an excess amount of, of money at the mm -hmm. casino and that kept the, the, the addiction going for one more month. And I, um, I missed Thanksgiving and I was like, the money was starting to run out. I blew through 10 grand in like two weeks, you know? And I was like, I can't do this again. This is like exactly what happened in 2018, except right. it was with 60, you know? Um, so and it's not taking for, it's not taking long for all of this to spiral out. No, it took five. I mean, really like I was using meth on and off when I left uh, and working a job, but really it took like four weeks, five weeks of, it was everyday meth use again and it spiraled out really bad. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, I did the rest of my drugs and I went and slept in my car for a few days trying to think I could do it on my own again. And, um, it was, uh, like I said, about three cold nights in my car 
And uh, I was like, I'm, I'm going to go back to rehab. Yeah. Back to rehab you went. Back to rehab I went. Back to Hope Was Alive you went. Yes. I remember when you showed back up and it was funny for me personally, not just because, you know, we were always close and had lived together and all that, but I was like less than a month away from graduating at that point. I had been around for three years and I remember in my head just being, I don't want to say checked out because I definitely knew that I was going to miss the house and the guys and but, you know, there was a point of like, oh, man, like this is coming to an end. I'm moving into an apartment here pretty soon. And I remember you just showing up at the door one night, basically just saying, I'm back. You weren't in my house. No. But you were back in the program. And I remember it was such a, a light bulb went off for me. I was like, man, I'm going to miss these moments. When that person, someone you really, truly care about comes back and is ready to fight for their life. Yeah. And I was. I really was. And, and uh, I mean, it's what I'm doing now. And how much sobriety do you have today? Uh, 15 months. 15 months. Almost 16. You're on staff. I'm on staff. Program manager. Best job in the world. So, you know, it turns out we weren't totally wrong to think that you'd be good for working here. You made it. Yeah. At the right time. At the right God's timing. Yeah. But you're now leading guys. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. I'm very grateful. I'm very, <clears throat> very blessed. I'm extremely thankful for what I get to do. Yeah. And would you say life today is just great? Good? Uh, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's more than great. Yeah. I mean, my life is um, better than I ever thought it would be. Well, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us. Yeah. Um, Super, super proud of you. Super grateful to have you as a friend, as a coworker. Um, and I'm so grateful that you chose to come on here and share your story with those listening because that's, you know, I say this so often on here, but stories like this really hit me in my feels where this is the whole idea behind this podcast. If one person out there just got something from that. Well, and I mean, if, if I could say a couple more things. Yeah, of course. Okay, so like, let's say you're the mom, the you let's say you're not the addict. You just listen to the podcast. If, if you could share this with somebody who is an addict, I was a really bad person. Yeah. Like I was, I mean, we haven't even began to touch on like, I did some really bad things in my addiction. Yeah. I mean, things that I'm not proud of, um, some really evil things to yeah. say the least, like things that, um, uh, they don't define me who I am, but, um, but they happen, but, but, but they are a part of my story. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, especially some of the stuff I've gone through in the last year, God can take any story and turn it around. Yes. Um, it's taken some work. I've had to surrender some things, you know, but I'm not special. Right. I'm, not, I'm not unique in any way. Um, I'm not any different than you. I'm not any different from uh, the guys that just came into my house in the last six months. I'm not any different from Grant Green or Lance Lang. We're all we're all just dudes. Yeah. That decided to surrender. Right. You know. Um, so surrender will go a long way. Surrender always goes a very long way, and nothing worthwhile is ever going to be easy. No. Um, no. And 
you know, I know Blake and I can both speak to this. I'd love, you know, we both love to tell you that the, uh, that every day is just such a, (laughs) (laughs) so easy. It's such a joy. No, the hard days still come. Yeah. You're going to have hard days going to happen. Yeah. And I want to touch on this real quick before you wrap up, you know, you talked about how the girls were a problem for you. And so for those of you in recovery, listening to this and thinking, yeah, the whole girl thing is just silly. Well, those bad days come. We just talked about that. So hear me on this. You're not emotionally ready to deal with that. Correct. Even today (laughs) at 15 months, I am still not emotionally ready. Right. You know, like I waited 33 months and I'm not saying that I had that number in mind. I'm not saying it was a plan or anything like that, but it was like, I, as time kept passing, I realized by the time I finally went on a date for the first time in my recovery that it had been 33 months. And I'm not saying that's the same for everybody, but work on yourself for a while. Yeah. You know, be a little selfish, work on you. Yeah. You know, um, find out if you even enjoy your presence, (laughs) let alone somebody else. Um, well, this has been awesome. Blake Brandon, everybody, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Thanks for having me on. We'll definitely have to have you back when we come back for season three. Um, if this is your first time listening, uh, like Blake said, please just share this with somebody who needs to hear it. You never know who it might hit. Um, be sure to like and subscribe. If you are following us on Instagram, be sure to check out at Hope Dealers Pod. And follow us on social media at Hope is Alive for Instagram and Facebook.com slash Hope is Alive OK for Facebook. And we will see you again next time. This is the Hope Dealers Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Hope Dealers Podcast. If you or someone you know needs to get in touch with Hope is Alive, or maybe you just want some more information, please visit hopeisalive.net or call 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. That's 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. I feel, I feel.